Good morning, church. How are we doing today, everybody? Good. If you have your Bible, I wanna invite you at this time to go ahead and take it out, open it up, head over to the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter 24 today. We'll be picking up in verse 10. Acts chapter 10, uh, Acts chapter 24, starting in verse 10, rather. All right, as you're headed over there, I wanna make a quick announcement. Um, if you uh, have yet to be baptized, we are having a special Baptism Sunday, two weeks from today. Two weeks from today, November 5th. Um, the, the last two Baptism Sundays that we've had have been spectacular, so much fun uh, seeing people choosing to be baptized. It's a blast, it's a celebration. So if you have yet to be baptized, grab one of these forms, uh, scan the QR code, sign up. If you haven't seen this form or there's not one of these near you, you can just go to our website, hnw.org slash baptism, and you can head over there and then sign up as well. We would love to celebrate with you two weeks from today. I've been told people have already been signing up, so we're excited about having a great day here in just a couple of weeks. All right, now, as you're headed over to Acts 24, I'm just gonna give a brief intro to the Bible for those in the room who may be new to the Bible. Uh, the Bible's divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament gives us a record of God's chosen people, Israel, and tells us about their need for a rescuer, for a redeemer. They use the word Messiah. Now, in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, we finally find out who that rescuer, redeemer, Messiah is. His name is Jesus. He's not just a prophet or a teacher, but he is God's son, born of a virgin, lives a sinless human life, dies on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine. Three days later, raised from the dead. Now, his resurrection was so powerful, so convincing that people who just days earlier had been scared to speak of him went then and told anyone who would listen that Jesus was the Messiah, they could have forgiveness of sin, and they could have a new life if they would place their faith in him. That's what this book is about. The book of Acts is the story of people who went and told others about Jesus. So Acts 24, we're gonna pick up here starting in verse 10. Paul one of the greatest preachers of all time has been arrested and he is on trial before a man named Felix, a government official, and that's where we're going to pick up today. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna begin today in Acts 24, starting in verse 10. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your truth, for your love, for your kindness. Lord, would you just let us hear from you today? God, would you guide my words um, just so that I say exactly what you want me to say, nothing more, nothing less. And God, would you move today in our room in such a way that people that are, whether they're watching online or they're here right now, Lord, that they would just allow you to sweep away cobwebs, that they would allow you to break down walls, that they would allow you to, to do the things that you would have them to do. Lord, we wanna be in alignment with you we wanna move with you, Lord, we wanna sense you doing something in each of our lives. Uh, God, revival comes when individuals collectively walk with you. God, we wanna see that. Lord, please work through my words and we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Acts 24, starting in verse 10. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, because I know you've been a judge of this nation for many years, I'm glad to offer my defense in what concerns me. You can verify for yourself that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. They didn't find me arguing with anyone or causing a disturbance among the crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogue or anywhere in the city. 
neither can they prove the charges they are now making against me. But I admit this to you. I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, which they call a sect, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. I always strive to have a clear conscience toward God and men. After many years, I came to bring charitable gifts and offerings to my people. While I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple without a crowd and without any uproar. It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges if they have anything against me. Or let these men here state what wrongdoing they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin other than this one statement I shouted while standing among them. Today, I am on trial before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. Since Felix was well informed about the way, he adjourned the hearing, saying, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. He ordered that the centurion keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom, and that he should not prevent any of his friends from meeting his needs. Several days later, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Christ Jesus. Now, as he spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became afraid and replied, leave for now, but when I have an opportunity, I'll call for you. At the same time, he was also hoping that Paul would offer him money, so he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. After two years had passed, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. This is the word of the Lord. Whenever I was a kid, probably about fourth grade, I got something I'd wanted a very long time, in kid years, right? A Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, man. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt. It was a classic. But there was a game that came along that my brother and I loved to play. It was a game called Contra. I don't know if anybody remembers the game Contra. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Seven of us out there had a great time. All right, it was good. And Contra was this side-scroller shoot-em-up game where you're going to you know, defeat aliens trying to take over the world. And now this is pre-internet, you guys. Rumors started to float around about a secret code that you could use whenever the game was starting. And if you punched it in, you wouldn't get three lives. You would get 30 lives. Yeah, and then you can continue twice. That's 90 lives, y'all. My brother and I were like, oh, we gotta do this, right? And so there was a code. You know, some of you already know it. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start. Not that I've ever forgotten it, right? I mean, <laughs> it was one of those things that was life-changing. And uh, it's called the Konami Code, used in a lot of other games made by the, game, uh, by the company Konami. And I mean, it was great. I was able to finally beat the game. I felt, you know, super cool about it. Now, people would then say, well, that doesn't really count because you cheated. And I was like, hey, look, if the guy who wrote the game put it in there, is it really cheating? Right. Here's the thing. I, I don't know about you. I'm walking through life all the time, and sometimes I wish I could just hit up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start, and suddenly I had a whole lot of opportunities to figure life out. Does anybody ever feel that way? Yeah, okay. I, I don't know that we have that. But as I'm reading this passage in Acts 24, I can't help but notice Paul is standing trial before the governor, and he is not nervous at all. I mean, he's, he's fine, unflappable. 
in fact. How does that happen? I think in a sense, Paul sort of had like a weird cheat code in life. (laughs) And I think that we can still access it today. And that's what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk about what it looks like to live by faith with the Holy Spirit in such a way that when you're walking into a trial, Paul was in a literal trial here. I don't know, some of us in the room may be in the middle of literal legal proceedings, but I think that this is applicable even if we're in the midst of trials that are spiritual or emotional, whatever we're walking through, that we can live in these ways. We can take the tips, the things that Paul shows us. We can live by the Spirit in this way and we can actually begin to walk by faith in Jesus. That's the thing I want us to see today. So I wanna talk about that. What is Paul doing here and what can we do? So here's the first thing I think that we can do that Paul does. We can sense our scattering, sense our scattering. And this is what I mean by that. So if you go back to the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, verse eight, we talked about this in the very first sermon of the series. The, The scripture says that Jesus commanded them, right? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says, you're gonna go everywhere and you're gonna tell people about me. Now, from Acts chapter one, verse eight to Acts chapter eight, verse one, do you know where they went? Nowhere. Now, they were supposed to go somewhere, but they didn't go anywhere. What had to happen before they would leave? Well, in Acts chapter seven, Stephen is stoned. And then the church begins to be persecuted, kicks off in Acts chapter eight, verse one. In fact, the man who's now a Christian, Paul, In Acts chapter eight, verse one is known by Saul. Let's read and see what's happening there. Acts chapter eight, verse one. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women and put them in prison. So those who were scattered, what did they do? Went on their way preaching the word. I want you to hear this. Now, if you, if you go over to Acts 11, by the way, you see the same thing. They kept being scattered further and the word of God kept going further. So both Acts 8 and Acts 11 say that the church is persecuted and then the church was scattered. I want to talk about that word scattered. The word scattered here in Acts 8 is the same word that Jesus uses when he tells a parable. He tells a parable about a farmer who goes out and scatters some seed. You remember this one? Jesus goes out, tells a story about a farmer who takes a handful of seed and scatters it. And some of the seed lands on a, on a path, a hard path. Some lands among the weeds, some lands among the rocks. Others lands in fertile soil. Scattering, that term that's here in Acts 8, Acts 11, also found again whenever Jesus tells the parable is an agricultural term. And it is a term that's about scattering seed, anticipating a harvest. That's what the word is about. What we see here in this particular moment is that Paul understood that the church had been persecuted and then scattered. And as a result of that, they were, wherever each individual person was, they were exactly where God wanted them to be so that they might be his witnesses wherever he wanted them. Now, Paul understands as he's standing there on trial that God has, them, has him in this specific place for this specific moment. Right now, our life groups are going through a curriculum called Kingdom People. And in Kingdom People, we're talking about this. We've been working on this for years. It's the notion that you have been placed 
intentionally into whatever domain God has placed you in. So we've got this graphic that we use on a regular basis. We sometimes call it a domain map, but it's the fact that society is made up of a number of professions. There's agriculture, there's arts and entertainment, there's commerce and business, there's governance, there's you know, civil, all, all these kinds of things. And you see those there. Every person who's in a, the job force right now you are in one of these domains. God has put you there. And God has every person in the domain where they're supposed to be so that the gospel of the kingdom might be planted in every one of these domains. So you hear sometimes talk about that we want to make Houston more like heaven by helping Houstonians become more like Jesus. One of the ways that the city of Houston becomes more like heaven is that people like us are in every domain in the city, slowly but surely helping change those aspects of the city to look more like heaven. You do not go to a school, you've been scattered there. You don't have a job, you've been scattered there. Now you see some of us say, well you know, I don't work, I'm, I'm retired, or I'm a stay at home mom, or um, uh, you know, I'm a student. Well, listen, those domains are not just uh, exclusively where you work. They are where God has placed you. You are in the neighborhood, the apartment complex. You're right where God wants you. Paul knew that. He's standing before the governor with these two thoughts. They may execute me, but before that happens, I'm gonna be a witness to Jesus right here. Now, I don't know that any of us are in a situation right now where we're staring down execution. But wherever you are, I want you to hear this. God has scattered you there intentionally. Now hear this. What if you're in a trial? I mean, the truth is, is that in Acts 1, God said, you're going to go do all this, and they didn't really go anywhere. Why? Because it's fun to have, you know, thousands of people together loving Jesus at the same time. It's fun to build a monument to Jesus. Did you notice in Acts 8, that verse there, it said that everyone left except the 12 apostles. Can you imagine going from a church of like 5,000 to 12? Right? So the church scatters why? Because God is not interested in building a monument to himself other than other followers of Jesus. And so God wants us scattered. I'm glad that you come and you listen to me preach. I think it's great. But I hope that wherever you find yourself this week, you'll be scattered. So here, the ancient church was scattered by a persecution. Some of us are going to end up in hospital rooms, we didn't choose to be there. Why are we going to be there? Because we're walking through a trial. Some of us are going to be in courtrooms. Why are we there? Not because we chose it, but because we're walking through a trial. Some of us are going to be in places and spaces with people in difficult situations we don't want to be, but we're there because we're walking through a trial. What should we do? We think we're there for medical treatment or to get a not guilty verdict, but what if we're there because God says, I need a witness to Jesus in this space today? Wherever God puts you, he wants you to be scattered to bring a harvest. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that. You've been placed there. I think that one of the coolest things about our church is that if we will sense that God has scattered us into intentional places, he's put us with the people he wants us to be with. Right? You might look around and you say, these losers, this is who I'm supposed to be with? Yeah, this is who God wants you to be with. Why? He wants you to show Jesus. That's what he wants. You've been scattered. Okay, here, then let's get into what happens as Paul begins to speak. This is the next thing. He knows that he's been scattered, so what does he do? He doesn't have like this massive legal defense. 
He just tells the truth. And I think that's the second thing that we can walk in when we're in the midst of a trial. We can tell the truth. I just wanna talk about truth-telling for a moment. In John chapter 14, verse 17, we read that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. So what does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit prompts us to tell the truth. The Holy Spirit will also tell us the truth. But get this, the Holy Spirit inhabits the truth. Now, I want you to sit with this for a second. The more that we speak the truth and receive the truth, the more widely we open a door for the Holy Spirit to move. If you want the Holy Spirit to move in your life, what do you need to do? Well, you need to tell the truth. So what do I mean by that? Well, that's repentance and confession, right? So a lot of people think that confession is you're crying, telling God you're sorry. I mean, that's, that's good. But confession is really just telling God the truth about who you really are, who you really think you are. Does anyone in here ever struggle believing lies about yourself? Only me? Okay, a few of us, right, okay. Some of you are like, nope, never gone through that before. Sorry about that, pastor. Okay, so, no, I mean, I believe lies about myself. What do I have to do? I have to tell that truthfully to God. This is what I'm believing right now. This is what the enemy is saying to me. And then you know what repentance is? It's hearing from the spirit of truth what the truth is and believing it instead. So that comes through the scripture, that comes through prayer, that comes through the Holy Spirit speaking to me. As I tell the truth and receive the truth, I open the door for the spirit of truth to move. Does that make sense? Now, what happens when hundreds of people in the same church tell the truth and receive the truth and believe the truth and let the spirit of truth move at the same time? Awakening happens. That's how God begins to move in mass in churches. So that's good. But that's not what Paul's doing here, is it? He's not just confessing and repenting. He, he's gone a little bigger than that. He's actually telling about Jesus. And you notice these things. He's telling these facts about Jesus in a very public setting. Now, he's witnessing. Like he literally is a witness in a trial. He's witnessing. Now, I, I say that we need to go witness for Jesus. Some of us just break out in cold sweat. Why? Because we grew up in church and they said, you need to be a witness and, you know, we, we think, I took this class, and I know they taught me the four pre, uh, philosophical presuppositions about the existence of God. I don't remember them anymore. I'm going to forget. I don't even know if I know what the Roman road is. Um, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to remember the theological things I'm supposed to say. I want you to take all of that and just set it aside for a second, okay? What do witnesses do? They just, they just say what they saw. That's it. That's all they do. If today I got called into court, I got called into court, I would just speak the truth about what I saw. That's what a witness does. Let's not overcomplicate what it means to be a witness for Jesus. You say, I can't remember those verses. I can't remember the theology. Okay, that's fine. But do you remember a time that God answered a prayer for you? Do you remember a time you can say, I saw Jesus do this in my church or in my family or in my life? Because if you remember those things, you can be a witness. One of the things that we're talking about right now is that we would uh, pray with our neighbors or pray for our neighbors, uh, sorry, pray with our neighbors, care for our neighbors and share the truth with our neighbors. I wanna talk about those things for a second. See, God scattered you so that you'll be in a place where you can tell the truth. Just yesterday, I was talking to a couple in our church and the wife said, you know, I was really excited. Um, I was gonna go get, you know, spoiled, go get a massage. And I show up there and the massage therapist begins just sharing how she's gone through a deep loss. Her son passed away. 
And she remembered that at church, we've been talking about not just saying, I'll pray for you, but praying with. And she says, you know, so right there, I'm just like, hey, can I pray with you? So she got to minister to the massage therapist. And then her husband says, yeah, you know what's crazy is I was supposed to speak at this conference. And right before the conference, the organizer of the conference tells me, yeah, my husband's going through cancer treatment right now. And he said, you know, I just remembered the same thing. I'm not just gonna say, I'll pray for you. I'll say, I'll pray with you. And then right there in front of all the conference participants, they're at the front of the room, the conference participants are right here. He just says, can I pray with you? And she says, yes. And he just starts to pray right there for her husband to be healed. Now you tell me, does that have an impact on people in the room? Absolutely, right? That is being scattered and telling the truth in, in, in that moment. That's the same way whenever we say we want you to, to, to care for your neighbors as you see that they're in financial need or emotional need or spiritual need, that you find a way to meet them in that place because you tell the truth of God in a space where they're probably believing or living into lies rather than the truth. But now let's talk about that, that third thing that we say sometimes, which you know, we wanna pray with, not just for, we wanna care for, but we also wanna, wanna share, we wanna tell the truth. You see, the thing that Paul does is, Paul is a theologian, he, he is someone who's been educated and he's able then to speak effectively and clearly about who Jesus is. And this is the thing, they kind of build on each other. Like you, you start by just confessing, truth telling about yourself, repenting, receiving the truth. Then you're able to kind of go to that next level where you're able to say, this is what I've seen Jesus do. This is a way that I can, can respond, that I can witness. But the next level up is when you're able to say, this is what the scripture says. Now listen, this is why I want you to know the Bible. So that in those moments when God gives you opportunity and you have the, the ability to go deeper than say, I saw Jesus do this, then you're able to say some of the things that Paul says, right? Paul says, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. Paul says, Jesus is the one by which we have the resurrection of the dead. Now, why is that such a big deal in this moment? Because some people believe there could never be a resurrection of the dead. But, but Paul says it, right? He says, there's a resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous. What is Paul trying to say? Hey, Felix, whether you believe or not, one day everyone will be raised from the dead and we will be judged. We will be judged and we'll stand before God. Did you even notice as we were reading the scripture that said that Felix got afraid? He said, okay, you can go away now, Paul. See, it's good for us to be able to speak that truth, not because we're trying to guilt someone or manipulate someone but just so that in that moment we can tell the truth. We can say, hey, look, this is who Jesus is. He's God's son. He loves you and he cares for you. He loves you so much he wanted to be connected with you in such a way that he gave his life so that your sin could be forgiven. And God the Father raised Jesus from the dead so that you would have the promise of a resurrection, not so that you would be afraid as you stand before God to be judged one day, but instead that you would be filled with hope because you know that God would receive you as a son or a daughter and bring you in to be with him for eternity. See, that can either be a very hopeful moment or a very frightening moment, but if you've placed your faith in Jesus, it's beautiful and it's hopeful. And if I stand before you today and I say, hey, God deeply loves you, he cares for you, he wants to be connected to you, then you can rest in that. In John chapter 15, we read about abiding. And Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And there's this, this verse there, I think it's verse two, where John uh, is writing what Jesus says. And, and Jesus says that the, the branch can be lifted up. That's the literal translation there. And what it means is this, is that a branch that's kind of barely hanging on to the vine will die, 
but you can lift it back up and bind it in so that it's reconnected and then it will grow back together and get life. See, Jesus wants us to be able to tell the truth, but we can't really tell the truth if we're disconnected from the Holy Spirit. So did you know that abiding in Christ every day is a choice? Like you can just choose it today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reconnect to the vine. You can walk by the Spirit. You can say, you know, I, I have allowed my life to be disconnected. Some of us right now are going, man, I've been disconnected from the vine. But God wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear from him. And if you'll reconnect to him, the Holy Spirit will fill you. That was what we sang, right? Holy Spirit, come and fill me again. He'll feel, he will fill you. And in doing that, in that moment, you'll then be able to speak the truth to God. This is where I need to confess. He'll speak the truth to you through the Spirit. You'll receive that, be able to repent. There'll be a space there where you'll be able to say, this is what I've seen Jesus do. People can hear the truth. And as you study the scripture and allow the Spirit to speak through, through, uh, through the scripture to you, you'll be able then to tell the truth about who Jesus is to people who ask. As you tell the truth, the Spirit of truth moves. And as you tell the truth and the spirit of truth moves, God is able to do beautiful, beautiful things. I just want you to share what you've seen and let God do the work. Now, we, we go through this. So Paul tells us truth. Now, Felix, you know, he is not, he, he gets scared, probably gets convicted by the spirit, but he's not ready to make a decision, Right? But he also is hoping that he can get some money from Paul. So he kind of drags this out. But then we get to the end and we keep thinking Felix is gonna release him. Look at verse 27. After two years had passed, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. Now, this is the thing that I want us to understand. I think that I read this and immediately I'm like, okay, well, surely Felix is gonna let him out of prison and he doesn't. He lets him stay there. And honestly, it's kind of frustrating. You know, why would that happen? He's told the truth. He hasn't done anything wrong in the first place. And this is something that I think that I can relate to. And to be honest with you, it's probably the piece of the quote unquote cheat code I've been learning the most in my life. That sometimes our circumstances linger. And in that, we can learn. This is the third piece I, I wanted us to see today, is that we can learn in the lingering circumstances. We can learn in the lingering. I think that what we tend to believe is, well, I do what God wants me to do and he'll take away all the bad stuff. But sometimes we're just gonna be in the middle of a trial and it's gonna be really hard. It's gonna be difficult. You know, stuff at work is hard or stuff at home is hard money's harder, whatever, got this diagnosis. What I, what I want you to hear is that no matter what you're walking through, God can grow you and teach you in the midst of those lingering circumstances. Why? Because pain makes us pliable. Pain makes us pliable. I mean, guys, when things are going great, kind of puffing my chest out, going pretty good, you know, right? But when the pain comes, I'll get on my knees. When the pain comes, I'll cry out to God. Now remember, what does God want? He wants to be connected to us because he loves us. So 
But sometimes God will allow painful circumstances into our lives so that we will be pliable enough to get connected to him. That's what he wants, right? He wants us to be connected. I think the thing is, is that we cannot, quote unquote, level up in faith until we learn what we're supposed to learn. I shared this story a few weeks ago. There was a man, he was praying over me uh, for my heart condition to be healed. And as he was praying over me, he just said, Lord, would you please have Steve learn what he needs to learn from this disease and then heal him? I was like, I didn't really like that prayer very much, you know? <laughs> Some of us right now are, are stuck in a situation and we're like, man, I've been stuck in this job, in this marriage, in this disease, and you know, whatever. I, I don't know, fill it in, fill in the blanks. And we keep saying, God, why won't you take me out of this? And he's like, because you're hard-hearted and hard-headed. You won't learn the lesson. I want you to learn right now. Now, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I've had to learn this a lot over the years. Whenever I was new in ministry, I was in seminary. I was pastoring a church. The first Sunday, there were 32 people there. They were all retirees. I was 22 years old. I don't know why they hired me either. It's a great mystery, right? Meanwhile, one of my closest friends at the time was invited at the same time, didn't even go to seminary, was invited to speak at the single adult Bible study, one of the largest churches in Dallas. Every week, immediately, he was preaching to two and 3,000 people. And I was just so happy for him, right? Mm -mm. <laughs> Jealousy ravaged me, ravaged me. And God said, you're gonna learn something. You're gonna learn something. I spent years Years in little towns that no one's heard of, in little churches that no one's heard of, until God finally broke me because I had a hard head and a hard heart. And until I finally was no longer jealous but said, I will be satisfied in whatever Jesus gives me. Then, you know what the Bible says? He opposes the proud but raises up the humble. He said, okay, I'll raise you up now. But you had to learn. I can confess to you and tell you that whenever we were first married, I, you know, for whatever reason, I had expectations about the way that joy was supposed to be, expectations about who, whenever we had kids, about who Ben was supposed to be, about who Andrew was supposed to be. And it took me years before I finally realized just because I want someone to be a particular way doesn't mean that's the way that God made them, right? So what is, what is gospel love? What is, what is the love of Jesus? The love of Jesus is that God loves Steve exactly how he is. And we hear that we say, amen, right? Okay, but Christian love is supposed to be that I extend the same kind of love to the people in my life. You know, it was hard for me to learn. I can't change joy. She just is who she is, right? I can't change Ben. He is who he is. I can't change Drew. He is who he is. The day that I was finally able to release that and just love them, you know what? I leveled up. But that was a hard lesson. I've already shared with you about deep hatred I've had in my life. I couldn't move past that till I agreed to forgive. I was talking to a, a woman in our church this past week. And she said to me, God was telling me to forgive my sister and I did not wanna forgive my sister because I knew that if I forgave her, that I would start to love her again, right? And she had grown accustomed to hating her. 
Isn't it weird how sometimes we like to hug our hate? Right? It makes us feel good. Our hate keeps us warm at night. And some of us here today, we're saying, well, God, why am I stuck? Why is this happening? The, the breakthrough is there if you'll just finally learn what God wants you to learn and obey. But we have to learn in the lingering. Now, that doesn't mean that God takes away the circumstances. Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. But when you learn, here's the crazy thing. Even if the circumstances don't change, you do. And when you change, you know what happens? Suddenly you're like, oh, I can see how God can use this. This is what God's trying to teach us right now, is that no matter what trial you're in, he can be right there with you in the middle of it. He can be with you in the middle of it. I think that right now, a lot of us need this cheat code of walking with the Spirit, of recognizing that we've been scattered where God wants us to be. It's not an accident. That where he's placed us, we need to let the Spirit of truth guide us in telling the truth to ourselves, to others, saying what Jesus has done, speaking that truthfully, studying the Scriptures, knowing theology, knowing the Gospel so that we can speak those things. I think that we're... Some of us right now are in the midst of painful circumstances and we have been mad at God or we have been uh, putting God on trial trying to say, take these away. And God is saying, look, I just want you to grow and to learn. Stay connected to me. Let the pain make you pliable, bring you in. But we have to choose. That's the thing about Christ. Man, he wants us to grow, but he won't make us grow. He'll let us choose. And we grow at the speed of obedience and trust. And if you think, man, I wanna go to the next level, you probably know right now what you're supposed to do. Something you gotta let go, someone you gotta love, someone you gotta forgive, something where your heart has to change and you've been digging in. Today, he wants you to receive it. Your God loves you, and he wants you to level up in that same love. But the only way you can do it is to choose to abide in him, to choose to walk with the Spirit, and to receive what he has for you. The question today is, will I let my God meet me in my trial? We serve a Jesus who was put on trial and in that trial, he demonstrated complete trust. Complete trust. Trust that God would do exactly what he had designed through his obedience. And so Jesus allowed himself to be hung on a cross because he knew that God's plan for connection and redemption was for you to have the opportunity to receive forgiveness today. For you to choose to follow Jesus so that the resurrection of the dead would not be something frightening but would be hopeful for you so that one day as you stand to be judged, you know that Jesus has already made you whole and right so that you're judged and received. In the first service today, a, a woman that's like 75 came to faith for the first time and said, that's what I want. And I, and I think that, yeah, amen, right? And, and today, I bet that there are other people that that's what they need. Others of us, what we need we need to say, okay, God, you put me where you put me. You put me there on purpose. Let me be scattered intentionally. Others of us today, you know what we need? 
We need to just say what Jesus has done. And some of us, we gotta learn. And just actually do and, and allow God to break our heart in the way that he wants to. So here's what I wanna do. I just want us to reflect on that. Would you pray with me right now? Bow your head, nobody looking around, and I just wanna give you this second as we pray. Father, um, some of us right now, we need to hear from you. Um, some of us, Lord, what we need is to know that you've put us where you've put us on purpose. And we've been mad about it. We've said that you made, made a mistake, that you messed up, that we're not supposed to be in this place, whatever that is. And God, today, let us realize that you did put us here and let us receive it. And so right now, Lord, just let us breathe right where we're at by receiving. Others of us, we need to start telling the truth so that the spirit of truth can move. And I don't know if that's confession. I don't know if that's receiving the truth of God. I don't know if that's having the courage to say, this is what I've seen Jesus do. I don't know if that's needing to really proclaim what the gospel message is praying with people, caring for people, God, just being truth tellers and truth bringers wherever we are. Some of us are feeling that right now. Others of us, man, God's been trying to teach us to learn in these lingering circumstances and we do not wanna learn. And even right now, we can tell. that He's telling us, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're gonna grow. This is how you're gonna move forward. And we're fighting it right now. We're mad at him even. Why would you make me go through this? Why can't I have this other thing? And right now he's telling you, nope, you're gonna listen to me. And then finally, there's some of us here that we need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. To receive the forgiveness he gave on the cross, to receive the redemption through the resurrection. And so nobody looking around right now, nobody looking around, if that's you, and you would say, Steve, today's the day where I need to place my faith in Jesus for the first time. I wanna just pray for you and let God, uh, just for the church to celebrate and for God to begin working in your life even right now. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus today. Just raise your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. Okay, I see you, sir. Who else? Okay, I see you. Who else? Looking around the room, just raise it up high for me. It's a little harder with the lights. Okay, I see you too. Okay, I see you too. Who else? Raise them up. Okay, I'm gonna pray for those. I saw four, there might be more. I'm just gonna pray for these right now. Lord, thank you for these who've raised their hands, ready to place their faith in you. God, I wanna pray that right now where they're at, they would just say, God, I trust you. God, I love you. God, I place my faith in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sin. I believe that he's wanting to raise me one day from the dead to spend eternity with him. I want to follow him all of my days. And I pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. Church, I saw four people come to faith. Let's just give the Lord a round of applause. Thank him for his goodness. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions about what you just heard, we'd love to talk with you. You can get connected at hnw.org about what we believe or how to join a small group or follow us on social media as well. Thank you so much for joining us and we'd love to see you soon.